Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of Four Seasons and a Funeral, the show where we go back and watch shows that had four good seasons and a fifth season. Today, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 9 of Fringe, The Dreamscape. My name is David, and joining me today are Charlie and Nick. Hi, I'm Charlie. And hi, I'm Nick. So what has everyone been up to? Um, recently? No, absolutely nothing. Nothing's changed. Life is life is forever flowing upstream. We are in a boat with no paddle, and we're just going around in a circle on a lazy river. My beard continues to grow. The metaphor got so muddled so quickly. Just like my life. <laughs> it has no end. It has no beginning. It hey, just, David, when, was, when was the last time you were outside for more than like two minutes at a time? Uh, uh, how many weeks ago did quarantine start? <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> only time has been to get into a car to drive somewhere to have someone put something in your car. Yes, the only time I've left is to enter a car to drive to Loblaws, where someone else has put my groceries in my trunk. And you wave at them, and life is good. Yes. Yeah, walks are nice, is what I'll tell you. But that involves leaving the house, which I don't like doing anyways. That's fair. Uh, I think one of my favorite things, have you guys heard about like the, so in Spain right now, how um, like they're like on like full lockdown, like you can't even like leave, leave to go on walks unless you have a pet or things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so people have been trying to get creative in uh, getting past that. So someone took their fish out for a walk a little while ago. <laughs> um, and someone took their uh, stuffed animal out for a walk a little while ago. Okay. The first one, the first one, I could see you arguing and winning. The second one, not so much. <laughs> oh, they both got tickets. Both um, those, both those people got tickets. The first one, someone, hey. I want to see someone pull like the stiff leash and like I'm walking my invisible dog. <laughs> <laughs> like that's been out of the public view long enough that it's time for a comeback. It would, it would, it works really well right now. That would be great. What if you just grab a yo-yo and do that like walk the dog trick? The entire time? <laughs> All I'm going to say is, if you could, if you could have, if you could walk the dog for like more than like two or three minutes, goddamn, dude, you you deserve it. <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, the world is in a very weird place, and it's terrible. So we're watching optimistic TV, like Fringe. Indeed. Yes. You know, very bright. You know, looking looking towards the future, kind of science. It's great. <laughs> Yeah. Used only for good ever. I'm glad yeah. there's not an episode about a pandemic in the first season, is there? I don't remember. Oh, well, there's definitely episodes uh, about um, diseases, but yeah, not like, of, like I'm going like, that way. A lockdown pandemic situation, right? Not in the no. first season. Okay. That's all that matters then. <laughs> Hopefully, by the time we hit season two, we're no longer in this situation. Otherwise, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Speaking of, episode 9, The Dreamscape. Let's go into the TV guide. So, the investigation of a bizarre tragedy at Massive Dynamics spawns Olivia's desire to erase her memories of John Scott, while Peter's whereabouts are revealed to some unsavory players from his murky past. Not very descriptive this week. Nope. I also, I also liked your pause that you put in there, which just felt very, very strange. Massive Dynamics spawns. spawns. Olivia's. Olivia's desire. <laughs> Listen, I saw a, a phantom apostrophe S after Massive Dynamic, and I was about to say Massive Dynamics spawn, and I'm like, that's not right. I'll, I'll give you that. You, you, you went for the slightly better one, at least. It was all fine there. But yeah, definitely not super descriptive, 
Uh, when when I first looked at this one, I went, oh, shit, I didn't watch this episode. Fuck. <laughs> like, I had that little moment of panic when you mode of panic when you put that in the chat. I went, oh, shit, I didn't watch this one in preparation. But I was like, I did watch this one. What the fuck? Oh, hey, uh, this the one of the writers on this is Joss Whedon's brother. Oh, really? Interesting. Zach Whedon. What else has Zach Whedon done? Um, he wrote three episodes for season one. Oh, that's okay. cool. And then um, he also had writing credits for Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Oh. I imagine he just works with his brother a lot. <laughs> Makes uh, sense. Ride the coattails all the way, dude. Oh my gosh. He was an assistant on Deadwood for 35 episodes. Anyways, while they're looking up uh, Zach Whedon, I'll talk about the start of the episode because, you know, don't want all that dead air and things. It's bad for business, guys. You're, you're uh, so we start off um, actually in Massive Dynamic, which I think is the first time that an episode kind of like starts with Massive Dynamic. So normally they just get like brought into it later on. Mm -hmm. uh, and a, uh, a white collar businessman is running late for a meeting. Um, he gets up to uh, one of the high floors in this uh, office building and is just doing a normal presentation. Everything seems to be fine. You know, he's a little bit panicked. You're waiting for, you know, like the alien to bust out of his chest and eat everyone in the building. Um, and nothing like that happens. The meeting goes just fine. Um, you know, we're off to a rocky start, but he does pretty well. Um, the, you know, the guy, the guy, Mark Young, uh, seems to be really relieved. Um, everyone who is there to hear his pitch uh, leaves, and it's just him in the office building. Also, it seems like he did a good job with the pitch because he gets lots of compliments. Like, I think the yeah. uh, person's like a rocky start, but we're we're happy to tell the shareholders about the good news or something. Yeah, it, exactly. Like, it starts the presentation and then it cuts, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I did it." Yeah, exactly. Like you, you, you know, he did a good job. Life's looking up for him. Uh, <laughs> Which is never a good sign in Fringe. He's a young man. The world is his oyster. You know, very, very important that we stick on the up part there, too. Life's looking up right now. Uh, it's really high on life, even. Um, and can change, you know, a butterfly flaps its wing in China. Yeah, exactly. Butterfly effect, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Speaking of butterflies, he does end up seeing a butterfly. Um, the first time I watched this episode, like even before things got like weird or crazy, uh, I was just uncomfortable with the butterfly automatically. I don't know why, but I just the idea of a butterfly just appearing randomly in a room really made me uncomfortable. <laughs> I so, blame I blame SpongeBob. So, so what's really interesting about that, David, is that you had the exact same reaction as everyone that was watching this at the time of the release, because one of the big things that was in a lot of the fringe. Um, like uh, ads was these butterflies uh, oh. were in it, and they were in the opening ads because it's a really cool scene, um, yeah, and just, it's also really terrifying. It was just very gross. I don't know why. I think I honestly I blame SpongeBob. There's that one episode of SpongeBob where they're chased by a butterfly, and there's that weird close-up uh, image of a live like of a uh, real life butterfly, and I think just butterflies are creepy to me. I don't enjoy them. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. Just very spooky. I don't like them. They're just not great. I mean, mm -hmm. these are worse butterflies because apparently they can cut you. 
Yeah, they, they got yeah. some sharp wings. Which is a bit yeah. more terrifying, because this one butterfly cuts the dude on his hand, and he's like, yo, what the fuck? And then it flies by and cuts him on the neck again, and then it runs into a vent, and he's like, I know. I'll oh, put go my take face a up to this vent. <laughs> and then a bunch come out, cut his face all over, and he runs... Trying to escape these out, butterflies, yeah. Out the window. But he's, does, he uh... go, does he go through the glass? Yeah, he yes. rushed, he runs right through the glass. Is he like shouting and screaming at this point? Yeah, oh, yeah. As well. Oh no, he's this is yeah. You know, so he's the worst. he's like he's in like the screamscape as he's doing this all right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, someone thought, someone thought say that he's in a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would ask, why can he run through that glass? Glass is very hard to run through, and you would assume glass on a high-rise building would be super thick. Uh, yeah, no, they specifically do that so that, um, you know, people can't dive out of the tops of these buildings. Yeah. Um, you know, Wall Street and things like that. Like, this is happening in New York. Like, this is massive dynamic. This is, like, this is New York. So, like, yeah, no, they're very careful about that kind of stuff. New York. It's in Manhattan City. specifically, yeah. Yes. Uh, I've heard some um, slightly funny, very dark, um, pretty short folk tales about um, one guy getting a tour at some point of one of these office buildings in, like, the 80s. Uh, and one of the guys was like, yeah, no, we just got all this like new glass that, you know, is like super strong on the tops of these buildings. And to like show, um, he ran and like body checked the glass and Why the glass gave. Well, no, what happened was I think the glass stayed, the glass didn't break, but it fell out of the like plant pain. Yeah. And it took him out. Yeah. Super great. Don't don't truly believe it, but super great. <laughs> um, that that is true, by the way. Oh, that is true. Okay, it's a hundred percent true. Uh, happened in Toronto. That okay. Oh no, this okay. This is actually true then. Nineteen ninety-three. Thirty-eight-year-old uh, lawyer plunged to his death from a twenty-fourth floor of the TD Bank building. Ooh. Okay, cool. This is actually true. Yeah, no. Um, yep. from, from what I've heard, I know someone who had a family member who was there for that tour. Oh, Jesus Christ, Nick. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, residents yeah. of first year. You meet some people and you hear some interesting stories. But, uh, yeah, so don't do that. Um, and this is completely unrealistic because that glass stopped him. But yeah. it did not. And he burst right through it. And dies. Hey, man, adrenaline, it does crazy things, right? You get a very nice slow-mo scene of him falling out the window and the glass is shattering and the butterflies stream out. Yep. Oh. You know, some would say his life was in free fall. That's not even the name of the episode. Yeah. Why are hey, you... <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying my best. God damn it. I already did it so to get it out of the way so that we could move past it. That's so good. <laughs> That should be my goal: is to make the pun in the first like opening lines. <laughs> so well, don't can, make like, me don't make me start in my intro. Just yell out the episode name. Just be like, "Ha ha pun." <laughs> I mean, denying his free fall and joke is pretty Tom Petty of you, David. <laughs> Anyways, bottom. Uh, we Thank then you, we then cut. You didn't like back. it, David. You're such a heartbreaker. <clears throat> That's the cold open, and then we cut to Olivia, who is on the phone, uh, getting ready to go out uh, on to a dinner with her sister. Um, when she gets a phone call from Broyles, telling her to go to the airport 
because they have a uh, investigation. At first, Olivia's like, "Well, uh, listen, I quit just for this weekend. I need a break. Like, I'm gonna <laughs> go out to this dinner." Uh, and then Burroughs was like, kind of like, "Ha, funny. Here's where we're going." <laughs> and Olivia very calmly takes a napkin and starts removing her lipstick. <laughs> so who like? I just kind of want someone to write the interaction of Broyles and um, Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like, meeting. Like, can, <laughs> oh, we have be... a, can we have a Nine-Nine crossover episode with Fringe for some reason? And they have to work together, and it's just, like, Peralta working with Dunham. Actually, to be fair, this episode would have worked pretty well for it, because it takes place mostly in New York. Yeah. yeah. I think it's we not quite really... Brooklyn, it's Manhattan, but you know, the 99 can, gets up in places. We can sell Michael Schur on this idea, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Huge, your hugely <laughs> popular show, let's cross it over with a now dead. Very, <laughs> very <laughs> dead. Show from a different network. <laughs> it's a couple uh, issues. And a different decade. Fringe was on Netflix for a little while there. It's the closest I've got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyways, <laughs> now that that dream is completely shattered, we're not going to start writing fan fiction. Oh Try fuck that! Hell no! If we start writing fan fiction, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I did not sign up for that. That was not in the contract. Welcome to Four Seasons and a Funeral, an improv fan fiction podcast. <laughs> like you know what? Sure, bye guys. <laughs> Nick, we've already paid for hosting. You're you're you have to do this for at least fifty two episodes. Yeah. Oh, oh he Nick. muted himself. Nick muted himself. Uh, evidently, he's done with us. So we'll continue <laughs> along with the episode. Uh, Olivia arrives on scene, and Walter is already looking at the body, and they're like, ah, shame he killed himself. This is real unfortunate. And Walter's like, huh, the cuts on his body don't match up to cuts on his shirt. This is strange. And then to make things even weirder, Olivia is scanning kind of the crowd of people looking, and it's she sees John Scott, and you're like, but he's dead. That's not right. That is not right. It's, you know, sort of expected at this point, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, she has been having this issue for a while now. Yeah. Like, this has not been, you know. <laughs> it's, it hasn't been right the whole time, though. True. There have been issues the entire time, but... As she then meets with Nina, and Nina's like, I don't know, dude was probably stressed. Maybe he just killed himself because he was stressed. Olivia's like, well, that seems a little bit callous and unrealistic. Maybe maybe we shouldn't just suppose that. And uh, Nina's like, hey, given your recent work, I, I guess you can't just handle the fact that sometimes mundane things still happen. Was that what it was? I thought what Nina was saying was that given the nature of your work, you should know that there are more things that are could be very traumatic that Massive Dynamic was dealing with. Okay. Or did I misread that? It's been a while since I've seen the episode, so it could have been. Yeah. I thought it was, um, I thought it was uh, uh, you know, the nature of Massive Dynamic uh, work can be very stressful depending on what it is. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, there's all these people. And then she kind of questions her more. And then eventually Nina's going, well, given the nature of your current work, you should understand that there are some things Massive Dynamic is involved in that could be quite like stressful to regular people. Yeah, like it's definitely like you know uh, she's she's trying to play it off as this guy had an existential crisis, like you know something he he learned something new and wasn't particularly pleased with it mm-hmm. that massive dynamic was doing is what I thought she was hinting towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is that is sort of what I got from it as well. 
I will. I have a note here. If we circle back to when uh, Olivia was getting ready to go out, I okay. thought it was an interesting uh, little thing where she where she's basically on the phone and she's putting in earrings. For a second, uh, she winces when she's putting the earrings in, almost like the holes for her earrings have closed a little. I thought it was a little nice touch. That is an impressive touch. That was not like something how I noticed. dedicated she is to. Uh, I assume uh, I may have misread a miss. Uh, oh no! Yeah, that, it definitely I, looked like she I, winced. A hundred percent, she is having problems pitting the stud through. Yeah, I thought that either, was a really nice little touch detail. Either aim because she's on the phone, or yeah, she hasn't done it in a while. Mm-hmm. That is a good little touch. I completely missed that one. Yeah, I thought it was a really cool little detail that they included. Nice. So I just wanted to highlight that. But yeah, so Olivia is uh, interrogating Nina about it as well. And then Peter and Walter are having a sort of uh, talk about the body and situation. And Walter is a great in that line here as well, where he's going, um, oh, I wish I could examine him. Shame I don't have a lab. And Peter kind of just looks at him and goes, you, you do have a lab. It's the same lab we've been using in Harvard. And Walter kind of just smiles and like, I do, don't I? <laughs> And I think it's the first sign of Walter being a little more sane and playful. That definitely, like, that's Walter going, ah, you thought I was going crazy. I'm just joking. <laughs> Which is really great to see after the last episode, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, once again, it's Walter continuing to sort of move forward into more sane, a more sane realm, we'll say. I think that's something I appreciate with Fringe is when they make character like improvements, it carries through in every episode in really small ways like this. It's not yeah. just like, big moment of character development. They actually show the little moments as well. Yeah. Which I think like is really Walter cool. and Peter have been getting a deep and a deeper relationship over like the past nine episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and like every episode yeah. there's something small that they build on. Like this episode, you see how far Broyles and Olivia's relationship has come. She's like, I quit for the weekend. I just quit for the weekend. He's like, haha, very funny. Get to work. Like doesn't even use the word liaison. Yeah, or sweetheart. Episode, yeah, episode <laughs> oh, two, that's oh. not happening. But it's just a nice way to be like, this is how long she's worked with him. They're getting more comfortable in it. And mm-hmm. she's yes. really good at the small details every now and then. Yeah. But anyways, let's uh let's so get back. After that, I think that we cut to They're in his uh, the yeah. dead guy's apartment. Yeah. Yes. Which has a bunch of uh, pinned butterflies as well. In mm-hmm. his uh, mm-hmm. in his study or something, uh, and they I also mean, find they also find a plane ticket um, mm-hmm. for him. You know, giving a pretty good evidence as to why he would not be killing himself. Also, fun little note about that plane ticket: um, the uh, flight is on Oceanic Air. Which, how well do you guys know a certain TV show? Oh, hey! Oh, Lost. Oh, yep. that seems crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or yeah, we got just... this extra prop, prop lying around. <laughs> yeah, they either had the prop lying around or they knew they didn't have to make up. Like, they already had the assets and everything for the airline created. Yeah. You can reuse yeah. for free. <laughs> exactly. And then it's a JJ. cool little... <laughs> JJ already owns this. And then it's a cool little thing that he can just toss in there, and it's fine. <laughs> well, it's because Fringe and Lost are in the same universe, right? Oh, exactly. God, don't open that can of worms. <laughs> this is confirmed, right? Oh god. The island is part of the pattern? Oh. In some way? Please no. I haven't seen Lost. Same. <laughs> I've only seen the first season and then I read about it and it got too crazy for me. Nice. I saw the full first season when it aired and then jumped back in at like season three. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? 
On the plus side, Lost has more than five seasons. I was about to ask. I was about to ask. Oh, God. No, we do not have to touch Lost. Excellent. Um, In the same vein of super weird things like Lost, uh, the butterfly wings start flapping for Olivia, even though they should most certainly be dead. Yep. And she also finds a page that says Monarch on it. No subconscious triggers at all in this apartment. All the butterfly references. Butterflies are terrifying, guys. We should exterminate them. No, butterflies are cool. (laughs) I keep having to catch them in Animal Crossing, and it's fine. But then there's the really big ones that stay on the trees, and I just hate it. I get heebie-jeebies. So Uh, I've learned David has a fear that I didn't expect him to have. This is new knowledge. A fear. I just think they're gross. That sounds like a fear, dude. It sounds like a phobia. I don't like like butterflies. I'm gonna like have some butterflies shipped to you. (laughs) Why? I don't enjoy them. Live butterflies. I think I can do that. I don't like most flying insects. I think I'm fine with like ones that are on the ground. That is that is a mouthful, David. It appears that you're suffering from uh, lepidopterophobia. Oh my god, lepidopterophobia. Because lepidopterists are butterfly experts. Yeah. I, I know that from that Kingsman. From, yeah, I was going to say Kingsman. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, no. <laughs> I did know that one. I just, oh, that, that word was not working for me right now. Uh, all of our knowledge comes from TV shows and movies. <laughs> Video not games. all of our knowledge. Some of my knowledge comes from uh, school, I hope. <laughs> the word you almost couldn't pronounce. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a couple months for him. That's true. All right, where were we in this episode? <laughs> we're still on Mark Young's um, apartment. We really should be going faster at this point. Uh, no, we're, we're done in the apartment. Olivia fires a book that says Monarch on it. The butterflies flap. She gets nudged, and they're not flapping anymore because she's totally not losing her mind. She's just seeing dead people. Yeah. Um, we go back to the lab, and Walter's like, interesting. The wounds started at the bone, and then, or the wounds go through to the bone, but it looks like they started inside and then worked their way up to the skin, which is a horrifying thought. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then he's like, oh, also, he has this weird thing in his brain, like this compound in his brain, but that doesn't explain these wounds. And then, no, but it's like, goddamn, that's, that's a lot of drugs he took. Yeah, he has and a lot of drugs. Yeah, so this is a man who was stoned something. out of his mind for this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he did so well. He microdosed LSD. Apparently, it works wonders. What, More what, than a what, baseball, what, what baseball pitcher supposedly pitched a perfect game while on LSD? Oh, uh, it's like the greatest strikeout pitcher of all time. Is yeah, it like so, Nolan Ryan? I, I'll look it up. You guys keep talking. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, oh, Doc Ellis. Ah. Uh, but yeah, so there's some sort of compound in his blood. They find out that's not one of the fun drugs. So Walter doesn't care as much. Uh, they then and some woman wants to talk to him, but I think they yeah. have that as a cliffhanger, and we cut away. Yeah, we uh, cut over to um, Olivia back looking on a massive dynamic website and seeing if she can find some link to Monarch, um, because you know it's a weird thing to have on a on a planner mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, but she's uh, also really bad at Google searches. So all that comes up is English royalty and butterflies. 
Yes. And for some reason, uh, Walter Bishop is big. Well, but that might have just be a holdover from her last Google searches. Well, no, that's <laughs> just that. That's just the like part of Google that she's using. Like she always includes keyword Walter Bishop in <laughs> everything that she Googles. I mean, given his involvement in like every case so far, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I would. I'd have a little check mark. I'd have a little check mark on the side of my search bar that was just include Walter Bishop in searches. Yes. <laughs> but then whoa she gets an email from a dead man john scott and tells her to go to 1312 labrador lane basement level and to her dismay despite it being called labrador lane there's no dogs there just toads in a large tub <sighs> it's very upsetting like a, a plastic tote I'm really curious. One of the things that they don't talk about at all in this, um, and I'm pretty sure that you know what we'd expect to see is if anyone else looked at it, they'd just be like, "There's no email there. Only she can see it." Uh, but I'd be really curious about you know if if they did that. Well, well I implied later on. Do they? Yeah, she like she calls FBI like tech support and is like, "Hey, I got an email or I got a phone call just now. Can you trace the number?" And they're like, "We're not showing any phone call." They, they definitely did the phone call one. The phone call one was yeah. like episode two or three. It was really yeah. early on. Extrapolate that out. She didn't get an email. She just hallucinated it. Yeah, okay. I think that's implied from the previous. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. And then Charlie is at the FBI office and he sees a living. He's like, hey, uh, why did you expense 10 pounds of insects to this case? And she's like, it's okay. It's the toads. They're super helpful. And then fucks off. <clears throat> it does turn out that they did become useful. However, because uh, Walter does some investigating on the toads and finds that they uh, have a toxin that ends up matching the compound inside of uh, the dead guy, Matt Young. Mark Young. Mark Young. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Young. Some dead dude. Mr. Young, who won't be getting old. Oof. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Call Detective Horatio. CSI Miami now. <laughs> uh, and while Olivia is getting uh, this um, this explanation from Walter, Peter's now meeting with this strange woman that we uh, heard on the phone earlier. Yep. Um, we sort of get oh, the yes. first introduction uh, to uh, uh, someone who... I don't know if their name is actually brought up in this episode. Um, uh, her name is Tess Amaral. Yes. I think they say his name briefly, yeah. Okay. Well, she uh, has because this is her only appearance in the show. Oh. Oh, well. All right. Because this is Peter's side story that goes absolutely nowhere. For season yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is frustrating. But... That Tess is someone from his uh, backstory or from his background, and that uh, she's Probably warning him involved. about Big Ed. Yeah. Right? Big Eddie's Big back. Eddie. Yeah. And we learned in like episode one legally changed his name to Big Eddie, which is a power play. That is a power play. (laughs) I mean, that's why this Peter's explanation for why he did it was that it was a power play. Yeah. He knew how to assert dominance early before it was cool. Yeah. And she's like, hey, you should skip town. He's like, it looks like Michael Kelly has been hitting you. And she doesn't say anything. Yeah. And you can tell that, you know, Peter's, you know, not pleased, obviously. Yeah. Um, and uh, It'd be weird if he was. <laughs> yeah. 
especially because she doesn't go no no it's okay this is this one's this one's mutual it's part of the kink <laughs> i told him to get silk and he just used the handcuffs again <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the lab and walter's like hey this is turns out to be a thing i did work on shows video footage of him doing an experiment back in his college days where he like doped up a student and hypnotized him and was like hey man this ice cube is burning you and rubbed ice cube on his hand oh yeah i didn't like this dude had blisters forming and it's basically like mind over matter if you can convince your brain that you're experiencing a stimuli your brain will produce the effects of that stimuli Mm -hmm. so turns out the frogs produce a chemical that can make a hallucinogen which can replicate these effects the dude wasn't attacked by butterflies he hallucinated he was attacked by butterflies and his body produced the cuts which i think is the most terrifying thing french has brought up to date yeah man some things are tariff more terrifying i would argue you know the the insta pregnancy yeah what if you hypnotize someone into thinking that they were insta pregnant their belly would just grow and then they would die yeah but this can produce everything else in the show Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, fair. <laughs> pretty terrifying. You want to know what it can't produce? That cool sci-fi weapon that we saw in that one episode. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it could. <laughs> well, no, it could make someone think that they were getting shot with it, but it, yeah. you couldn't make it materialize. Okay, fair enough, Mr. Semantic. <laughs> oh, look at me. I'm Nick. I'm pedantic. Uh... Pedantic. Where is the key Half this episode to go. Oh my okay, God. speed round through the rest of the episode. Speed run, speed run. All right. Um. So, um, Olivia, make sure to admit to Walter, um, that John Scott is back at it again, uh, and has back brought at it again with the white vans. <laughs> Damn, John. <laughs> Back at it again with the toads. <laughs> okay, focus, focus, keep Back going. Back at it again keep... with the hallucinations. Keep focus, going. Focus. <laughs> um, and you, you can tell that Olivia, like Olivia's, really fed up with these red hallucinations, despite the fact that they've all been very helpful, like very useful. And it's probably been good that she hasn't brought it up to Broils because Broils would be. Um, Pretty, pretty much be like, excellent. We have a new way to uh, deal with all of the, or to uh, get ahead on all of this. Um, <laughs> and Olivia just tells Walter, like, straight up, she's like, hey, just get this out of me. Um, and Walter's like, all right, I, I, I have a way to do that. Uh, involves the tank again. And Olivia's like, fuck it, put me in the tank. And Peter's not here at this point. So Walter's just kind of like, I guess I'll let this woman order me around to. No supervision. Yeah. No yeah. supervision. You expect Walter to be pleased about it because he's like, yes, but no. Walter Everyone can do acid thing. now. He's <laughs> deeply sexist and does not like being told what to do by Olivia. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Anyways, Olivia does enter the tank um, and uh, be- becomes mind melded with, uh, with John Scott again. Um, and this time is uh, goes back to what I'm, we're both assuming is a very happy moment in her in her uh, in her life with John, where yeah, they're at the restaurant. First date, yeah. yeah, which is always super cute, right? Exactly. And she says that at that point she loved him, which uh, rough statements. Uh, 
given how things later came out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, her younger self um, stands up and goes to the washroom. We at least at least leaves for a little bit, um, and she's left with John Scott, which uh, means you know we're in John's memory, not hers at this point. Um, and she decides to have a monologue talking with John and telling her, you know, I loved you at this point. Why did you do this? Um, and all of a sudden just flips a switch and goes, you know what? I, this isn't what I was here for. Like, you know, I'm trying to get all this out, but instead just goes, Mark Young killed himself. And he immediately looks at her, which, um, Walter assures her isn't possible. He can't hear her. Yeah. Uh, but and he's totally looking at her. Yes. And it's totally not at all a very freaky moment. And then all of a sudden the scene shifts um, and they're in a completely different spot and he's not around for a second and she has to look around to try and find him again. Um, and you can, you know, you can tell he's trying to like take her to a moment where he thinks might be able to help with the case. And you see John Scott, Mark Young and two other people having this meeting. Um, and Olivia tries to follow Young because she wants to learn more. But he walks away with someone else, and John doesn't follow them, so she can't actually um, follow Mark Young at this point and hear more. Uh, and instead, just has to stay with John and hear what he has to say. Uh, and and John doesn't have much to say. <laughs> yeah, John doesn't say very much. He just stabs a dude really badly. Yeah. Um, which, very harsh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of out of the blue too. And by that I mean for for the other dude, she can see it's coming. But ooh, Walter also has a really good line before they get in the tank, where like Olivia's getting in, and Walter has like a Bible, and she's like, "What's up with the Bible? Like you are very obviously non-religious in how much you fuck with science." And he's like, "He's like, well, you're taking <laughs> homemade psychedelics." <laughs> lying in a tank with an electric charge in the base of your skull. Um, among other things, I thought it would be best if I prayed you didn't get electrocuted. And she's like, praise the Lord. And he's like, amen. And then closes the doors. <laughs> and it's well, great. It's, it's also an exorcism, essentially. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's basically an exorcism. Like, they're trying yeah. to get away this dead person's thoughts from haunting her. It's really funny, because like you can't tell if previously Walter was like super religious at some point. Or, like, what's going on for that side of things? Because he'll bring this up every once in a while. Like, he'll just randomly, like, bring up some religious side of things. Yeah. yeah. Also, the entire <laughs> scene is shot from Olivia's point of view. So Walter is upside down. Yes. And it, it, I don't know. I just like when Walter gets very serious, but it's still funny. It was a good time. We've got, um, we've got John Scott brutally murdering this guy. Um, Olivia is not very pleased by this. Uh, freaks out and starts screaming and is pulled out of the tank. Um, now during this, um, Peter had come back into the, into the office and was telling Walters like, the fuck is she doing in there? What are you, what are you doing? Um, and, um, is obviously very worried about Olivia at this point and, uh, make sure you know, that she gets pulled out once she starts screaming. Uh, but, uh, at this point she has, uh, Olivia's remembered the, not only Mark Young and John Scott, but knows of the other two people that were in the scene. Um, and starts to do a reconstruction of the man that walked away with uh, Mark Young at uh, the start of the uh, the start of the second scene where John Scott murders a dude because obviously you don't need to be looking for the murdered guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then she talks to Broyles and is like, "Hey, here's the dude I saw in my visions of when I was high on acid 
in a tank. Ignore the second part of that. Here's a face you should look for. <laughs> um, which is, you should never bring that up to your boss. You should never be like, hey, I was high on acid. and I, We should look into this individual. Uh, but then she's like, hey, I think he was going to sell. I think Young was going to sell the compound as a drug, as a psychedelic. And she's like, do what you have to do. But I want all of his massive dynamic files so that I can know what he was doing. And then we get a quick scene of Peter beating up the dude who beat up Tess. Like, he just jumps this guy randomly and is like, hey, if you touch her again, I'll kill you. And he pulls a gun on him. Well, no. He knocks a gun from Kelly's hand first. Yeah, yeah and then pulls a gun on him. Maybe also that part. I mean, hey, they pulled a gun first. Exactly. Fair. Right? Therefore, it's fine. He could have killed him, right? All right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. Seeing how long that dead silence could go for. <laughs> uh, we then cut back to the FBI. Olivia's had no luck with finding the dude who was walking with Young. Broyles actually comes through and is like, here is all of his projects, courtesy of Nina. And she goes through and she finds his business card. And the phone number is 8778-MSSDYN, like Massive Dynamic. And she's like, aha, I should dial 212 Monarch because I guess 212 is the local area code and you have no reason to suspect that this is the local area code. Yeah, it's just sort of brought up. <laughs> and this bugs me in every TV show or any like ads for anything where they're like, yeah, just dial these seven digits. And I'm like, what about the area code? Don't worry yeah, about it. It's not like Toronto has multiple of them. They don't yeah. want to put the area code because then it's a real phone number. And if they just pretend, then it's they don't have to worry about accidentally doing a real phone number, right? I mean, you just throw it as a 555. Yeah, but then you don't spell monarch. You do 555 monarch. Oh. Exactly. Maybe. Then you're fine. Yeah, but that takes you out. That breaks my suspension of disbelief. Uh, she calls the number and she pretends to be a telemarketer. And the dude's like, hey, no, don't do this. This is mean. Telemarketers are evil people. But she recognized the voice, and it's the dude who was walking away with Young in John's memory. I thought his uh, reaction to it was way over the top. Was that, <laughs> was that just me with his, like, don't ever call me again or something? Oh, yeah. She's like, hi, are you happy with, like, your phone service? And he's like, I don't ever want to hear your voice again. How to dare fair, you contact me? To be fair, this was back in the days before all telemarketers were robots, so you had to be angry with them. <laughs> yeah, but we then she's like, I yell at the robot all the time. But then she's like, Oh, the okay, sorry. Understand. Like, have a nice day. And he's like, Yep, no, no worries. And then he hangs up. Like, he's from <laughs> so angry to so nonchalant <laughs> so quickly. He's like, I'll kill you and your family. And she's like, I'm very sorry for the interruption. He goes, Oh, yeah, you too. Have a great week. Yeah, know, he does believe that the telemarketer just hates the co corporation that they represent. Yeah, maybe. Uh, anyway, they track him down for being so rude on the phone and nothing else. <laughs> His uh, only crime. Yep. You're uh, a terrible they, person to an FBI agent. <laughs> they hit a traffic jam because it's New York, and there's always traffic in New York. And so Olivia and Charlie get out on foot. And oh, then the dude tries uh, to run away. You forgot that they're tracking him by uh, GPS. Oh, his, his cell phone signal. His cell phone tracking. They're tracking him. And they have it on like a tablet or whatever. they Whatever a tablet was back then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they yeah. had tablets yet. But it's Laptop. really funny because 
I was looking at the screen they have, and it's essentially just Pac-Man, where they have gr- three green yeah. dots, them, and then there's a yellow dot that's the guy they're chasing. <laughs> it's just them going, and because like New York's on a grid system, it is just Pac-Man. Yeah. They're like, yeah, for we're converging on him. For some reason, there's a cherry in the top right corner. I don't know. It was weird. Don't let him touch that. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> and then the gun. he gets out and like starts running away, but then suddenly there's no traffic, and he gets hit by a car. Yep. <laughs> And that's how they catch him. Is he just gets smoked by a cab? Hey, good thing it wasn't a bus. Otherwise, he'd be dead. Yes, that's true. Unfortunately, he didn't die, so we don't get the fun Walter interrogations again. Uh, Do you think the writers were like in the first draft? They're like, and he gets hit by a cab and dies, and then Walter has to use it. And they're like, we just did that like the last episode, two episodes ago. And they're like, shit, we did. I guess he doesn't die. I guess they have to actually like talk to him fuck that's way less interesting <laughs> but um he is hit by hit by a car and that, that obviously hurts um trust me <laughs> i know from experience it hurts uh oh. yeah <laughs> and um they get him to the hospital and in the hospital he is basically begging for uh, a deal uh and olivia's like oh yes of course you want immunity um he's like no Mm -hmm. no no i want protection um he does also want immunity he does say that but protection is the more important thing to him um which definitely piques olivia's interest exactly and that the magical words of the day it's for massive dynamic Ooh, Ooh. general electric up to that bad stuff (laughs) apple the evil company exactly (laughs) because massive dynamic is like Monsanto, GE, Apple, Microsoft, um, all big pharma like rolled into one somehow. And then also all military contractors. Oh, yeah. yeah. And big pharma. It's Already been mentioned, combined. but it's important to mention it more than once. Yes, because so fuck big pharma. <laughs> we did learn that earlier. Uh, that was a previous episode. Uh, but... Uh, Morales goes on to explain why he wants protection from massive dynamic. And it's essentially that um, he's worried, like he's pretty sure that uh, massive dynamic killed young to warn people against selling company secrets. So they found out mm-hmm. that young was planning on, you know, selling this, this the secret sauce and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he I didn't realize all the Krabby Patty secret formula. I didn't realize Massive Dynamics also owned KFC. <laughs> um, he, uh, but yeah, it's basically being like, hey, they, they, but they know how to make it look like, uh, look like a suicide. And they did it in the, you know, Massive Dynamic did this in the weirdest possible way to make this look like a suicide, is all <laughs> I'm going to say. Like, this is yeah. super over the top. <laughs> but Just a wee put, bit. He does put forth, like, if you're like, I guess coming into the show at this point, this is still a reasonable assumption to make. Um, Massive Dynamic is creating the pattern as a a cover to investigate these technologies, like get approval from the government to investigate these, which is totally believable. Yeah, you know, considering almost everything seems to just lead right back to Massive Dynamic in some way or another, it makes sense. Almost to the point where I wonder if that was an original plot idea, and it got written out, and they just reused it. Hey, man, we're we're still too early on. Don't don't talk about that. No, I mean like just for like season season one as a whole, because in like the first episode in the pilot, Nina's very mysterious, and they have all this stuff set up. 
Yes. And it kind yeah. of goes nowhere. I'm I could wondering see that they if... didn't quite have an idea of what they wanted to do with them yet, right? Yeah. I'm wondering if in a first draft they were like, Massive Dynamic is evil, they are creating the pattern. Go from there. But mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> it just it got turned into whatever it got turned into, because we're not there yet. Exactly. Oh, we're not there for a while. Oh yeah, no, we still got a ways. But anyways, getting getting back getting back to uh, what's what's going on. Olivia essentially um, promises, or d- does Olivia promise, or does she go and talk to see if she can get him protection at this point? Like, I'm pretty sure she promises that she that she will uh, give him protection. Yeah, I think she's like, I'll see what I can do. And yeah, Olivia gets his like full trust because she's like, hey, uh, John Scott told me about you exactly morales is like i trust you because john scott mentioned that you're a trustworthy person exactly and we once again yeah john's still coming in class (laughs) eight episodes after his death (laughs) and then people it's great (laughs) nina's like yeah we got nothing to hide which they totally do but sure um and she's like yeah this low-life scum telling you that we're responsible of course he was he's a horrible person and like (laughs) That seed of doubt is playing in your mind. It's like, oh, she's deflecting. She's deflecting. Yep. She does do a, a, a quite a good job there of obviously deflecting. Yeah. Um, but Olivia does finally give her a response um, to uh, that job that Nina, Nina keeps offering her as well. Yeah, she's like, fuck off. Yep. You know, Nina's like, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is. Give Just uh, a firm no. Very solid no. <laughs> Yeah, and then an even more solid no, uh, John Scott walks into Morales' hospital room and then cuts his throat. Yeah, and you're like, oh, god damn, I guess John was visiting a lot of people. Did the, yeah. did the mind meld with anyone? <laughs> but then the horrifying thing, this is why I think this is horrifying, a nurse walks in and just sees his, cu- his throat cutting itself open. Yes, yep. that was a great not image. Not, not a great thing to see. Hated no. it. Absolutely hated it. It was a great image. I'd also like to point out, so um, my my girlfriend uh, walked in uh, at two points in this episode. The first point was in the dreamscape when Olivia is talking uh, with uh, John Scott and came in right as John Scott murdered the one dude, like stabbed him. <laughs> and then she came in later on in the episode as John Scott was slitting this dude's throat. And those were the two times that she came in. Damn. Some rough timing. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, I, if I do get her to watch it, and she watches episode one and watches him die, she's going to be like, the fuck did I see later on? Like, <laughs> uh, And then Broyles tells Olivia the news and is like, hey, but massive dynamic has been cooperative the whole time, so don't go around spouting unfounded nonsense like Nina Sharp is responsible for this because you have mm-hmm. no way to prove that. And then Olivia goes back and talks to Walter and is like, put me back in the tank. I want to go back in the tank. And Walter's like, hell to the fuck no. Peter uh, chewed might... me the fuck out on that one. Also, it might kill you. Like, literally, yeah. it might just straight up kill you. And she's like, well, John Scott saw me in the dreamscape. And Walter's like, you can't. That's not possible because he's just memories. I will try and find a safer way to get the memories out of your head, though. Um, Peter gets, uh, or not Peter, uh, there's curbside in Boston. I think they're like walking outside of a bar or something. And one guy is like drinking out of a hip flask and puts it in. And they start walking. And it's the guy that Peter beat up. 
and he tells the other guy like, "Oh, Peter Bishop's back in town." More setup for what <laughs> ends up being absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the rough part of season one. Is this beast story? And then Olivia is like sleeping and rolls over and her computer turns itself on and she gets an email from John Scott saying, I saw you in the restaurant. Which is totally okay. That's yeah. everything's fine there, guys. It's like it's like one of those times where you get like a happy text message from someone just being like, Hey, I thought I saw you at this restaurant, you know, like a like a couple days ago. Were you there? <laughs> yeah, except that person is dead. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Oh, it doesn't sound fine. <laughs> Also, I have to say, uh, the font on the computer is totally unacceptable because oh. the E is a pixel short on the top than any other letter. That sounds aggravating. Would you See? like me to send you a screenshot of it? Yes, please. <laughs> this uh, this episode brought to you by the letter E. This episode brought to you by proper kerning. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what kerning is, you're not a nerd. <laughs> don't know what kerning is don't look it up you'll be happier yeah basically <laughs> but honestly yes you you will be that's <laughs> what my plan is where to um, save all right while he's looking that up uh i am going to bring us to our uh or are we gonna what are we gonna do first we we, we bring up our, our favorite parts of spot the previous hint or uh give some ratings let's uh, do, no, we'll do cipher hint. yeah we'll Okay, we'll do Cypher. This one was Voice, which, again, multiple references, I guess. Uh, voice in your head. Olivia is seeing John Scott. People are hallucinating. I will say I'm very, very glad that at least one of the letters was represented by a butterfly in this, because I would have been really, really mad if the butterfly yeah. episode didn't include a butterfly in it. It's <laughs> <laughs> so mad. <laughs> like, that's something yeah, you plan out when you're making your Cypher. Do you think they took that into account? Yeah, they're like, we have to include a butterfly. Can you imagine how pissed off like most of the audience would be? <laughs> oh, um, the start of the episode when Olivia is on the phone, she's talking to her sister Beth about yes. a surprise party for Bobby, which is apparently a reference to J.J. Abrams' film Cloverfield, where there's a surprise Ooh. going away party for the main character, Rob, whose best friend is named Beth. Okay. Huh. Um, and then the observer is at the end of the hallway when Mark Young gets out of the elevator at the beginning of the episode. Yes. Oh, very, very early on in this one. Hey, David, do you want to know what the foreshadowing one is? Hey, fuck you, Charlie. That one's mine to talk about. I'm, I'm setting you up for. It. Uh, All fair. I know is it's going to make me angry. So yes. <laughs> All right. So this one, um, it's it's about your favorite creature. Um, there is a butterfly. Oh, okay. um, that is yes. posted somewhere in the episode. Um, and it is on the side of a trash can. It's just a butterfly the on the side of a trash can? Yes. They call but, that the hint? Well, no, it's not It's not like a, an, a living butterfly. Green print. Oh, it's, Charlie, why would you send me that? <laughs> oh, that's painful to look at. Oh, that is actually really, really that bad. That is too short. That is really bad, actually. How did they mess that up? <laughs> like, what font are you using? I don't and where understand. could I get it so I could make that the default for a lot of things I said to you guys? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, the camera's punched in enough, you can see the pixel lines on the screen. And it's very clearly one pixel too short. 
And it's really great because there's more than one E in there, so you get to see it twice. Yeah. Man, that's real bad. It made me very angry. It should. <laughs> it really should. <laughs> okay, uh, favorite part of the episode and ratings, I guess. Yeah. When did we start Ooh. doing favorite part of the episode? In this right. episode, yeah. damn it. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got off topic and burned through like the entire episode, so... Um, uh, I think my favorite part would be Peter showing that he's not just the hanger-on, and that he is badass in his own story, where he's casually uh, disarming a man and then holding a gun to him. Yeah, Peter's also, like, not in this episode. Yeah. I like that just because it was like, hey, Peter's not just, like, the other scientist, and he's he's also not just, like, there for the ride. He has his own thing going on. He's not just Walter's caretaker. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would have to say mine would actually have to be the cold open for this episode, and a lot of that is based off of the ads that were going around at the time because this was like yes. a big part of that, and it's yeah. a really cool scene. I really like how it's done. I'm very glad that it made David very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, the, the opening is pretty fantastic. Uh, I really love that opening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the opening works so well too because up until. Like they tell you, like, oh, hey, this dude was hallucinating this and his mind made it. Part of your mind is like, holy shit, they made razor winged butterflies. Yeah, you're like freaking out about these razor winged butterflies that escaped into Manhattan. You're like, you're going to have to catch razor winged butterflies. How are you going to do that? Yeah, and I wonder how fast they breed. Ooh, instantly. <laughs> oh. yeah. They just divide, they're born pregnant. Oh. <laughs> That's disgusting. All right, all right, real quick, real quick. I just got to bring this up because this is something that um, uh, I saw during one of my breaks um, at like when I was like doing the working that night shift at the grocery store. Um, and I, I don't like where this is going. So I took I took my break between like three thirty and like four a.m. And there was some like terrible B movie that was on in the break room, um, and it was obviously like a knockoff of things. And at the start. I was pretty sure that it was a knockoff of Jurassic Park because it's got all these people and they're running away from these dinosaurs and they're in Madison Square Gardens in New York. Um, and I'm like, all right, cool. It's just Jurassic Park, but in New York. Um, and then they mention that the dinosaurs are born pregnant um, so they can breed almost instantaneously. Like they just continue about babies, um, which was great. And then the army blows up Madison Square Gardens and you're like, okay, cool. They got rid of all the dinosaurs. And then Godzilla fucking appears. What? I think yes. you were just watching um, Godzilla like 2003. I think someone got you high when you weren't <laughs> paying attention. Is that Godzilla? There's no way. It, it looked so terrible. There it was not Godzilla 2003. Uh, was the dude from Leon the Professional in there? Let me look up, let me look up some shots from Godzilla 2003. Because there is a... I don't know if it's 2003... Um, but there is a scene in Godzilla where he does a pregnancy test on Godzilla, and he goes, oh my god, it's pregnant. No, this was the dinosaurs were pregnant, not Godzilla. Godzilla just showed up. Godzilla just appeared. Godzilla was sleeping under Madison Square Gardens. <laughs> All right. Who, Charlie, have you said your favorite uh, moment? I, I agreed with uh, the opening. Okay, quote open. All right, Excellent. so uh, ratings. What are ratings? Um, 
fairly solid episode on my side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like the fringe in it. Uh, it's got, it's got some good fringe. Uh, it's got a solid amount of monster of the weakness going for it. Um, you've got a decent amount of plot as well, and you're like learning all of this sort of stuff. The opening stands out to me once again just because of the ads and everything like that going around, um, which raises it up a little bit. But it wasn't amazing, amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. probably going to give it around a four, like between a three and a half and a four. Probably a four though. I'm going with a three and a half just because they like use the fringe science twice in this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just not not great. I would agree with Charlie. Three and a half as well. Yeah. It's definitely a good, like it's not a bad episode, but it's just not one of the stronger episodes. Like it's interesting fringe science, but they don't use it enough. They don't hit that balance between plot and fringe science. Mm-hmm. And I'll also admit they're jumping between a lot of stories. And they do their best to like merge them, but they're jumping between yeah. a lot of different stories. They're trying to set one up so Peter's not in the episode. And yeah, it's it's kind of a mess. It is a lot. I will give it that. Three and a half, not horrible, but not All right. Um I think that's our episode. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. Why don't you uh bring us out, Charlie? Outro. Well Charlie. no, uh, Dude. you gotta oh. you gotta You gotta say all the things. Talk about our social. Yeah. Ask people oh, review. <laughs> We're a real podcast. <laughs> if you like this episode, drop us a review on Podbean or iTunes. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet at us at Forsaf. That's at the number four S A F F. Or email us at Forsaf. That's the number four S A A F at gmail.com. I've been Charlie. I've been David. I've been Nick. Outro. The theme music for Four Seasons and a Funeral is Algorithms by Chad Crouch and is licensed under a Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 Creative Commons license.